You're listening to the Bitcoin and Markets Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. My name is Ansel Lindner. This is Bitcoin and Markets, episode 28. We're going to start off with a brief market update. Bitstamp is at $736 and OKCoin is at 5196 yuan. Uh, we've been in a consolidating in a range, uh, trying to break the June highs. I think that is just around the corner. But with the holiday coming up, Thanksgiving in the United States, uh, you know, the Chinese markets like to play some funny tricks. So either we shoot up, which could be a possibility, or we could drop down. Uh, so be be aware of that. Be watching the market. If you have a trade on right now, just be aware of that. Okay, the network is looking healthy. The trading is looking healthy. Local Bitcoin's weekly volume is at $17.3 million, which is about, uh, well, it is another all-time high right now. Um but it is pretty close to the last month. Network, the network volume for the last 24 hours is $70.6 million have been traded or are part of the output, I guess, on the network. Difficulty is very healthy. Again, this is another measure that I use to watch the health of the network. And last time we had a 10% increase in difficulty and it's looking like it's going to be around 4% right now. It's sitting at 3.85% as the estimate for the next difficulty change. Segwit adoption. Uh, there is out of all the nodes, there are about 32% that have uh, upgraded to 13.1, which is the version of core you need for Segwit. Uh, but the SegWit blocks right now are sitting about 25%. They're still trending up. And if you look over the last 2,000 blocks, that number has been pretty much a straight trend line up, getting about 2% a day or something like that. Unlimited numbers are stuck at 9.5%. All right, the main part of the show here, we're going to get into bits and pieces and featured article. It's a little bit shorter show. We're not going to do Altcoinville today or a Flashpoint. Uh, we'll pick those up on the next episode. Uh, we get into all sorts of stuff from, let's see, a little preview of what's coming up on the rest of the show is, uh, we, <laughs> I actually watch some TV, so I have uh, talk about a show that I've been watching recently. Bitcoin is back, people. CEO of the largest Russian bank is talking about Bitcoin, so we go into that. Uh, also, uh, Goldman and J.P. Morgan and Santander that are pulling out of R3, we go over that. And I, I really dive deep into some of the SegWit and Bitcoin Unlimited crap that's happening right now. Uh, all right, let's get into the show. Bits and Pieces. I was watching uh, TV recently. I don't watch too much TV. I have a few series that I watch. And, um, you know, I, I do like a lot of the sci-fi stuff. Um, I This one series, though, piqued my interest because I'm, I'm a big Jason Bourne fan. Uh, I've, I've watched all the movies and I also... Um, have read all the books that that's back, you know, when, when the first Jason Bourne movie came out, God, 15 years ago or so, um, I read all the, the Ludlum books. Uh, I, I'm a big fan. I, I don't know why I just, I like that idea, um, of kind of like a rogue agent getting back at his masters or something. But, uh, so there's this new show called blind spot. It's in its second season. Um, and, I went back and my wife and I, we watched, uh, all the first season and the second season. And it was like the second or third episode. They are talking about Bitcoin and they have this character on there called rich.com. So he changed his name to rich.com after he made millions on Bitcoin. And I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, my wife was like, yeah, this, this is right up your alley. And then, um, they, uh, during that episode, the first episode they introduced that character, um, they said, oh, yeah, we could trace his transactions on the blockchain and blah, blah, blah. I thought it was pretty cool. But obviously, Rich.com is a playoff. Kim.com in a way. Uh, but uh, I, I 
the the series is a little silly, obviously, but um, I I like the technology. I kind of like this idea of rogue soldier or rogue agent that is getting back at the government. Um, so check that out if you guys haven't watched that. I think it's episode two. I'll have to go back and and look and and give you guys a an update to that. But uh, episode two, season one of Blind Spot, they talk about. Bitcoin, but you can see the Bitcoin is moving its way into popular culture. It's moving, uh, it's becoming a narrative. Um, it's filling a role kind of this, of this criminal element, which is uh, appropriate, I would say. But, um, if it's good, who was it? Andreas, I think a long time ago said, it's not money if you can't buy drugs with it. Uh, that is common sense. And people understand that at a fundamental level. That drug dealers, they get their money. And if they're using Bitcoin to get their money, then it's got to be worth something. I, that's, I think people get that at a fundamental level. I ran across this article the other day. Uh, someone tweeted it out, but it is um, on a Russian news outlet called TASS, T-A-S-S dot R-U. Link is in the show notes. I had to Google translate this, obviously, because it is uh, in Russian. But this is from Moscow, and it's the CEO is talking here about Bitcoin. He is the CEO of the largest bank in Russia. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this properly. Uh, Sphere Bank. S-B-E-R Bank. His name is Hermann Greff. Um... Very, very powerful guy. He, he served on, let's see, I, I pulled up his, uh, Wikipedia profile. He was the Minister of Economics and Trade of Russia from the year 2000 to 2007. Uh, he's currently the CEO and chairman of the executive board of the largest bank, Russian bank. Okay. So, and Russia, you know, had all of this, talk about banning Bitcoin and uh, uh, cracking down on cryptocurrencies and, and things like that. Um, well, the tide has turned. A lot of this currency war that's happening, the currency wars that are happening all around the world are taking its toll on people and they see Bitcoin as a weapon of mass financial destruction, which it is. Anyway, okay, I'm going to read this little section. It is translated obviously so it doesn't make too much sense but you guys can kind of get his gist here now there are more and more virtual currency has the exchange of virtual currency i quietly with pleasure translate currency from the virtual to normal and so on and so forth i had a few bitcoins i did not like the course i have put on hold and he said that when the course reaches such a value please converts it to rubles and dollars after two and a half months i have clicked on the stock exchange was such a course and i took the conversion this is of course a great pleasure and a nice game but it will soon be our whole life so he's dabbled with bitcoin he's bought and sold bitcoin on an exchange this is the ceo of the most the biggest bank in russia and he says that it's nice right now it's fun Right, because it's not that big of a deal. It's a ten billion dollar market cap. That's nothing for these people for for uh, nation states, right? Uh, bank, the largest banks of a nation state. But he said soon it will be our whole life. So he sees the writing on the wall, and maybe he's not talking about Bitcoin specifically. Maybe he's talking about crypto in general. But he's probably smart enough to realize that Bitcoin is. The thing. This struck me as pretty important, and I haven't seen. I saw this one tweet, and I, God, I wish I could remember who, who had it. Um, but I will. I'll include this link in the show notes. Obviously, you'll have to go, use Google Translate unless you speak Russian. I pay you is a company that is now supposedly bringing Bitcoin to Amazon. Uh, Purse already has done this, and they do have a discount that's pretty good. But iPayU is supposed to work with Amazon Direct, a, and it just sounds like a centralized service for... Let me read my notes. 
A new payment service has popped up and is providing payments on Amazon via Bitcoin called iPayU. They had a write-up on payments.com this week that I linked in the show notes, and I'm not too excited about this. Purse.io has done this, and they also offer a big discount. Um, it's not Amazon that's accepting the Bitcoins. It's this iPayU, and they're, they're paying for Amazon. This this service is nothing better than credit cards. This is this reminds me of a service that might have come out in early 2014 when the hype was all about um, merchant adoption, merchant adoption, merchant adoption. Everybody wanted that, and this would have been huge then. But nobody real everybody now is realizing that. Well, shit, I don't really want to spend my bitcoins. This is uh, going through a third-party service is probably more expensive, and when I can just use my credit card. So I, I don't I don't see these guys being very successful. I could be wrong, but um, th this is done much better with credit cards, and there's no reason to use Bitcoin on Amazon anyway, uh, unless you're getting a gigantic discount like through Purse. The number of Bitcoin exchanges has skyrocketed. Back in 2010, there was only two. In 2012, there were five, 13, 9, 14, 38, uh, and now 145. It's just gone parabolic, and I think that will continue. 145 exchanges in 40 countries. That's big. I, I hope there's an exchange in every country, especially every for every currency. That's really big. Bit has a, a doing B-I-T-T. I think it's B-I-T-T dot com. They are doing a great job there with the Barbadian Central Bank. They do Barbados dollars. They have a whole app where you can use uh, their dollars and Bitcoin immediately to send uh, money overseas to p other people with the app. So there's a lot of stuff going on um, and exchanges are good. The more exchanges we have, the better. Now, there's not going to be very many exchanges in the U.S., I guarantee you that. But there's going to be a lot of exchanges elsewhere. Um, this just shows the popularity of it. I think it's good. I think the more exchanges you can have, the more exposure you can get for people, uh, the easier you can make the onboarding. So, uh, that's always good. But yeah, uh, there's a link to, or there is an image in the show notes for you guys to see this chart where it just kind of goes parabolic. I wanted to touch on the R3 situation. A lot of people have been talking about this. JP Morgan, uh, Goldman, and Santander, they have pulled out of the consortium. Three very large banks. Two of them are de facto government institutions in the United States. You know, they're on the inside of the regulation. They've crafted the regulation for the most part, and they are too big to fail. So they are de facto part of the, the government, uh, and they pulled out. Because I see, I think they see the writing on the wall, that this blockchain stuff is not going to work. It works for Bitcoin, but it's it's not magic. You can't just co copy and paste a blockchain into a system and it's auto like automatically more efficient and fast and less latency and, and less drop packets or whatever. It's it's not it's not a cure all. And they see this and so they're pulling out. They also might see regulation coming down the pipe. Regulation on blockchains, regulation on cryptocurrencies, and they don't want to be in there. They don't see any sort of return on investment. Plus, you know, they probably think that they've patented enough stuff now from this that anything that the R3 does eventually come up with, they can claim that they have the patent on it. So then they need to get paid if somebody uses it. This is not a good sign for the blockchain space because all these projects out there that have blockchain apps um ethereum lisk on and on and on and all of these projects that are building on on ethereum this is not good this means that these 
multi-billion dollar banks that are that know a lot that's going on they are pulling out of blockchain that's that's not a good sign um on top of that, what what I wanted to mention about this is Tim Swanson and Mike Kern. You guys probably know Mike Kern because of the hernia, the rage quit that happened last year. He said Bitcoin was dead and Bitcoin's up 100% since then. Uh, also, Tim Swanson, he's made his reputation on being a Bitcoin skeptic. And he's never been right. He hasn't gotten one prediction right. But somehow he thinks he's like, He's like some great expert on blockchains. I also heard that the atmosphere in R3 is very bad. Mike Hearn is a negative-ass person, and there's uh, negativity is contagious. And so the, the, he's kind of... the Rumors are that it split the developers into kind of two rival sides. People that like Mike Hearn or work with Mike Hearn and the others... That's not healthy. And Tim Swanson has been negative about everything about Bitcoin and blockchain forever. So he's just one big ball of negativity. Um, I hope they never work anywhere in the space again. And I don't think they will. If anybody's thinking about hiring these people, Mike Hearn or Tim Swanson, you have to understand they come with a lot of baggage. They are negative people. I don't know either of them personally, but everything that I've read Everything that I've seen, everything that I, every rumor I've heard has always been that they are negative ass people. So I wouldn't want that in my organization. Uh, also, their names are tarnished. Mike Hearn's name is massively tarnished. The, he doesn't, he's, he's going to be fine. He can go work somewhere else, but I hope he doesn't ever work in the Bitcoin space again. Um, and Tim Swanson. I mean, he might as well move back to China and start working over there because nobody in the U.S. is going to hire him, from what I understand. So, we'll see. I I don't wish bad things on people, but I love it when when I'm right. And I've, I've been right about R3 since the beginning. I think that was one of my very first episodes I talked about R3 and how they they're never going to do anything with what they got. There are some other stories out there that I would like to touch on. Um, this first one is, uh, it's not related to Bitcoin, but I will relate it to Bitcoin, is uh, Obama went down to Peru for some Pacific trade talks, and the Secret Service down there busted a counterfeit ring. They seized $30 million worth of counterfeit cash. Uh, this problem, it's not there in Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin... You cannot counterfeit Bitcoin. It's instantly recognizable. And that's why one of the characteristics of money is uh, the recognizability of money. Uh, Bitcoin doesn't have that problem because you cannot counterfeit it. Uh, the, I guess maybe the closest thing you could do is create a currency like, say, Litecoin. My, uh, uh, very hard to say this, but Litecoin could be a counterfeit of Bitcoin. Um, but anyway, so th this is not possible in Bitcoin, and I just wanted to point that out. Another story is the SEC and the IRS. They're making some moves. They're making some announcements on regulating or changing their guidelines or policies on Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Um, they, This is forward guidance to me. So you know how the Fed has relied on forward guidance for eight years now? Uh, Threatening things, claiming things, making people think things to change their opinions or their outlook. Um, same thing with this, the SEC and the IRS. Uh, their definitions are convoluted. And the way I, I get, I kind of understand it is the IRS sees it as an asset, right? Like a commodity, uh, a, it's taxes, capital gains. Uh, but uh, the Justice Department sees it as money. And money laundering and all of these. So there's different definitions here within the same branch of government, which to me is interesting. But, okay, so these special things, here's, there's a article from 
um, Bitcoin Magazine, uh, SEC panelists on astonishing but not very sexy blockchain. Achieving network effects uh, will produce winners. Another one from uh, Coindesk. How the SEC's blockchain lead is defining future regulation. The IRS came out with one uh, talking about how they were audited by yet another agency in the government and they their guidelines were found to be difficult to comply with. So uh, they're going to be revamping their guidelines. Uh, so I just see this as a use of forward guidance. They're trying to, uh, without setting down strict rules or laws, they're providing guidelines. Well, that's a forward guidance by itself are these guidelines. And then on top of that, now they're talking about revamping their guidelines. They're not even going to be revamping the laws, right? They're revamping the guidelines. This is just forward guidance to forward guidance. It's crazy. I am not a CPA. I'm not a lawyer. But if you are buying Bitcoin to use it on the darknet markets, I bet you will not be doing the proper taxes on them. And if you're a Bitcoin holder where you buy and hold, you have no taxable transaction there because it's capital gains. And so it only, you only have a taxable event when you, when you purchase something or when you sell your, uh, Bitcoins. Now, if you're like me where, uh, I hold a much, much higher amount of my Bitcoin than I spend, I only make a handful of, uh, transactions a year with my Bitcoin. Uh, but, um, you know, I hold a lot and no, I haven't gone back and done the first in first out, which Satoshi, how much did this Satoshi cost? Did I get this Satoshi back as change from an earlier transaction? And how do I tax that? I don't fucking know. Um, I'm not doing tens of thousands of dollars worth of transactions every month. So I don't, if you're a company, yeah, you, I would worry about that. But if you're just a regular old person, um, I don't worry about it all that much. I'm not saying you guys should not pay your taxes. I'm saying that, um, it's very hard to comply. And as long as it's not a huge, uh, you have to weigh the cost benefit there. But on top of that, it's, it makes me think of the old, uh, I guess, uh, anecdote of, I went sailing with my uh, gold or my silver and the boat sunk. Oh, crap. Now my gold is at the bottom of the lake, right? It's because you hide your gold and you just say that it sank. Well, it's the same thing with Bitcoin. What I'm not recommending this, but what would uh, how would they prove if you got hacked and somebody moved your Bitcoin? Um they they can see it moving on the blockchain, but they don't know necessarily who moved it. Uh, but you got hacked and, and your Bitcoin disappeared. They can see where it's sitting now, but it's not the same place that it came from. And that's controlled now by another person, you could say. So how do they know that? How do they know it's not stolen? How do And people don't report theft. Look at the, the Bitfinex stuff. Lots of Americans lost money there. I guarantee you most of the customers there that lost money were Americans and one person reported it, some guy in Texas, but 99.9% .9 of the customers that lost money on Bitfinex did not report the theft. And that is just the way it is. Um, and it, so how, do, how do, how do they know that these Bitcoins weren't stolen? Um, if they try to come after you for tax evasion or whatever, I mean, a lot of people get hacked. There's a lot of ransomware out there that you might pay off. Uh, how is that taxable? Anyway, so that's my little snippet on that. A couple weeks ago, a letter was leaked to the community by Roger Ver. It's kind of like a Articles of Federation for Bitcoin Unlimited. I saw it first on Samson Mao's Twitter feed. And then there was a couple posts, I think, on Reddit about it. Um, Greg Maxwell had a great comment here. And I'm just going to read 
uh, some of this stuff from him because he makes total, total sense. And I am, I'm in alignment with this. So, <laughs> uh, a link to this tweet, uh, Reddit feed is going to be in the show notes as well. Most of the material is motherhood and apple pie. It's a common political technique to stand up behind a number of points that everyone supports in order to imply that people you disagree with don't support them. Bitcoin should be free and open source. Well, no crap. All the big points are obviously true things that everyone agrees with. Where it goes a bit off the rails is in the details. For example, use of the uh, Bitcoin Unlimited dog whistle, quote, emergent consensus, which has historically meant a radical departure from the design of Bitcoin, with nodes reducing their enforcement of the rules and handling and handing control of the system to miners. <clears throat> Or the inaccurate Im implication that more incompatible implementations means more developers. Yeah, that's a good point. So more and more implementations doesn't necessarily mean more developers. It means more uh, forks. Okay, he goes on. But what is far more interesting is what isn't mentioned. Sound money, fungibility, protection from political pressure, or a hint of personal privacy, and commercial confidentiality. Considering the length of the document, I think those omissions are a bit telling, if it isn't fake, as Samson Mao suggests it might be. So, I I agree with that, guys. This is a big, just, I don't know if it's a Trojan horse, or what you exactly call it uh, in the rhetorical uh, vocabulary, but... This is a another weapon that they're trying to use to point out, like, censorship or something. Anyway, there a bunch of companies were on the bottom of this, this document that have supposedly signed it or approved it, something like that. Um, Mycelium was on there, the wallet provider, and a lot of other companies. But once again, this is a tactic that Classic used. Remember, Bitcoin Classic, they... Had a, they launched their website and they put like 40 companies and all the miners and stuff like they, they had talked to them and they supported Bitcoin Classic. Just misinformation out there. Uh, it turned out that none of those people had supported Bitcoin Classic or said they would support Bitcoin Classic. And we hear that same rhetoric from Bitcoin Unlimited as well. Oh, F2 Pool and, and all these people, they're going to be supporting supporting uh, Bitcoin Unlimited, uh, Ant Pool, but who knows if that's true. It's probably fa uh, false because it's the same fucking people telling us this, Roger Ver. So anyway, um, Mycelium has jumped on board with this letter, supposedly. They came out and said, yes, we support it. A couple other companies like Purse.io have come out and said that, yes, they do support it. I mean, there's not much in there, like Greg Maxwell said, that you wouldn't support. But supporting Bitcoin Unlimited in the first place is not a good decision. And Mycelium has made some I believe poor decisions in the re very recent past, which like the ICO that they had, that could cause some legal issues. If you use Mycelium for a wallet, what's going to happen if they get sued? Um, you know, whatever. So my Twitter feed was full of people uninstalling and I went ahead and did that. I mean, I didn't use it really. I've, I used it years ago. I did try out the marketplace. I thought that was a unique feature. And so I, I used it for that. I, I sold some Bitcoins through mycelium but i haven't used it in a long time and i didn't have any money on there um i have several wallets on my phone because i just like to <laughs> check them out check out the ui see if they have any cool features and things um, the best wallet on android by far that i have found is samurai there's a link in the show notes if you guys would like to go to their website check out some of their stuff i'm going to walk through some of the features here of samurai because I think it's so damn cool. I recommend it to all the noobs that I meet. Um, and instead of like Mycelium that's out there getting involved in politics by signing letters and getting involved in that stuff, Samurai is above that. They go out and they provide the feature. They build it. If they have something to say, they build the feature into their wallet and they enable that activity. And that's fucking cool. Okay, I'm just going to walk through some of the features of the Samurai Wallet. They have a stealth 
mode where uh, the, there's no icon anywhere on the phone to access, to launch the wallet. You have to dial a pin into the keypad of your phone. Um, also, they have remote uh, commands. So you can set up a trusted number and send remote commands to your phone um, in case maybe it gets lost or confiscated and, and used against you in the court of law. I mean, that's kind of uh, iffy uh, legally, but Samurai is providing you with something they think that you might want. They don't really care about the legality. That's different from the big wallet providers out there that are companies, million-dollar companies that could get sued or whatever. So they're not going to provide you with these really cool features. Uh, what else? Networking. You can set up uh, VPN and Tor usage uh, on your wallet here. Okay, so send and receive type functionality. You can receive payments through ShapeShift. So accept Litecoin and it turns it into Bitcoin. I haven't used that yet. Don't know. Uh, exactly how that works but that's there um, also on your send you can set the level of obfuscation of your transaction so either you use the same tr change addresses one change address per transaction um, decoy change addresses or you can go all the way to aggressive on your your sends and simulate coin join so it makes it much more private uh, let's see you can all right, and the big thing here is payment channels. Now, payment channels are what's behind the Lightning Network. You have one transaction that anchors into the blockchain and with a peer, and then you can send multiple uh, whatever transactions back and forth, almost infinite, I think. And and then to close it, to settle, you close it with a tra another transaction onto the blockchain. Uh, they have this ready to go in Samurai. You can open up a payment channel with somebody else using a payment code. So it's it's very private, and you can send these uh, payment, uh, you know, receipts, whatever you call them, back and forth, uh, up. So you can consolidate like a million transactions down to two. That's pretty good for scaling, if you ask me. Let's see what else uh, payment channels. Uh, oh, they have recommended payment channels in here, and uh, you can. That's just like to help you get started. The Samurai team has their own um, uh, payment code there, so you can set up a payment channel with them. Uh, the open, I think it's Open Bitcoin Privacy Project, OBPP. You can set up a payment channel with them. And the third one is this podcast. I'm pretty honored to be in there as a recommended link for donating. You can find uh, all, more information at their website, SamuraiWallet.com. I'm not paid for this. I just think they're the best Android wallet out there right now. They're not on um, iOS from what I understand yet. And I don't know if that's in, in the near future or not. I know they have some plans to do some other uh, application level stuff to round out their functionality. I think I'm excited to hear more about that coming out in the future. Uh, there is demand out there for wallets like this. But again, these big wallet providers that have big companies that have raised millions of dollars, they cannot provide you with this. So Samurai's kind of taken the baton from Dark Wallet, that idea of, uh, or philosophy of development. They're not a big wallet that's getting involved in signing agreements, the politics, talking about stuff instead of building Samurai is going to build these features out, provide them to Bitcoin users. That's what they do. So I recommend supporting Samurai and supporting this podcast through Samurai. All right. Featured article. By far the biggest thing out there in the Bitcoin space right now is the SegWit adoption and the Bitcoin Unlimited crybabies. So I um, I was on the Bitcoin News Show on the World Crypto Network last night, and we talked about a bunch of good topics. Um, but the one that I <laughs> was really waiting to talk about was this uh, censorship issue, the SegWit adoption, all, all of this stuff. And 
Because I, I'm fed up, man. Everybody's fed up with this. So anyway, let me play a clip of my comments, and then I'll talk about it a little bit. I don't see that it's even an issue, honestly. Like, Bitcoin Unlimited is dead. It's never going to take over anything of the network. It's never going to probably be over 10% again. Um, it's it's just like classic. And now they're saying this stuff about the AMP, uh, AMP pool and F2 pool or whatever. We heard those same claims from classic, and they never came to fruition. So you can't believe any – and it's the same damn people saying it, like Roger Ver. So you cannot believe any of these – anything that they say the only thing you can believe is the blocks on the blockchain and right now uh core what like three days since the last difficulty change and it's already nearing 25 percent or wherever give or take it's it might it might get activated after the next uh section because i think it has to go from difficulty change to difficulty change and get 95 percent of the blocks in between so it might be that it happens on the next one, but I know it's not going to be Bitcoin Unlimited. Um, I don't think there's as this censorship thing for me is not a big issue either because um, everybody knows what real censorship is. Uh, what they see on our Bitcoin is not real censorship. Uh, you can just go onto our BTC and say what you want there. Uh, they, they just, the loudest people are the ones crying censorship. That, that's always how it is. They're just a bunch of crybabies, and the loudest crybabies are, you know, the ones that are in the minority. Uh, so I, I don't see a problem. Uh, I know I tweet about it a lot, but um, it, it's it's just so such a huge uh, uneven fight or a mismatch between Core and Bitcoin Unlimited that there's no way I, I'm 100% confident that say we will get. Uh, adopted relatively shortly uh it might take maybe two three months maybe out to six months but it will get adopted uh in the near future um and i don't know what's after bitcoin unlimited but don't forget classic still has two percent uh, of the blocks too so we could see maybe unlimited go to two percent classic go to two percent um and whatever happens after that and i don't it's know it's coming back classic's not through come on classic no, no, I, I, I think the two percent from Classic are actually the same person who are Bitcoin Unlimited people. They're just so incompetent; they probably don't realize that they've forgotten to flip two percent of their um, hashing power onto their new uh, in, in, insane idea. I agree with that. That's funny. Uh, and, and, you know, it's funny. You know, people are talking about censorship, like you know Roger Ver and all these people. I mean, we know what real censorship is, right? Like Ansel said, Turkey. I mean, that's real censorship. You know, you know, getting thrown in prison. That's censorship. Okay, there is. This is not censorship. I mean, okay. Oh well. So they kick you out of your subreddit. I mean, this is the internet here. <laughs> oh man, it was fun to be on the show. I, I appreciate. Uh, Vortex for inviting me on so many times. Um, he just passed his one year anniversary of doing the show. So congratulations on that. Like I said in the past, the average number of podcasts per show is like four or maybe five. And then they burn out and they never release another show. So to have like a, 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 YouTube channel that he's had episodes. He's had over 20 episodes because, uh, you know, every other week for a year, that's, that's pretty big. And he, I like his format. I like that format of talking around the circle and stuff. It, it's kind of frustrating sometimes if, if you are, don't really have much to say, like on some of those things, I, I really, everybody kind of knows my opinions and, I can get my opinions out in like two or three minutes where uh, other people have more to say about it than I do. So, um, I, it, whatever, but it's a good show and world crypto network is fabulous. I, I was a little bit uh, starstruck right at the beginning. We, we met before the show for a few minutes and 
got a chance to meet Thomas and he's for anybody that's been in Bitcoin for a while. Um, Mad Bitcoins was pivotal. I think back in the day, um, a lot of people were head down studying, learning as much as they could about uh, when you discover Bitcoin, you start researching all sorts of other stuff, banking and money and history and uh, computer uh, science, all sorts of stuff. Uh, and, Mad Bitcoins added a little levity to the whole situation and it was, it was an awesome, awesome show. It was the right show at the right time, I think, and it was pretty popular. Um, and then he started this World Crypto Network. And I thought that, you know, I've, I've enjoyed years of content on there and they, they are, they are doing very well. I like that they aren't a big production. They're just regular old people talking about Bitcoin and stuff. And they get some good guests, don't get me wrong. There are good guests on there. There's hot, there's quality content. Um, but it's just regular people talking and I, I, I like that format. Um, it, it got me kind of into it. And Vortex's show in particular, um, spurred me on a little bit to do this podcast. Um, a lot of the content providers that were coming out at the time, you know, we, we, uh, we had the big glory days in the past of the LTB network that was just gigantic and, and all this stuff. And it's still pretty big. Apparently it gets, uh, you know, 5,000 listens per episode or something, which I, I highly doubt. And, and if it does, that's a tragedy because the information that comes from the LTB network these days is not good. And now they are, um, uh, pausing new shows being added. Someone recommended to me, someone contacted me and said, Hey, I should get on the LTB network uh, for my podcast. I was like, well, I kind of want to do my own thing. I don't want to be <laughs> necessarily associated with the blockchain space because this is the freaking Bitcoin space. But, um, it, I mean, they, they, their content is kind of dead. Their two main LTB and epicenter Bitcoin are total, totally in the blockchain space, which is, crazy fantasy land um the the quality of their content is low so i think that we're we're kind of that was the behemoth of the past and now we're moving into uh this new type of thing and but the world crypto network has been there the whole time they've provided the same level of content from the beginning to now that's my opinion um it might not be the most technical show out uh, shows out there but, you know, they, it's much more realistic than the LTB network. Anyways, um, and you know, you have new podcasts out there like the, uh, Bitcoin Uncensored guys. They put on a very entertaining show. Like they, they really are taking it to the next level with not only comedy, but they have a lot of good content in there as well. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, back to the censorship crap. It, it's just, like I said on the, that clip, it is a bunch of freaking crybabies. It's no more than 5% of the network. And they might think they have 10% because Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin Unlimited has 10% of the blocks and stuff right now. They have 10% of the hashtag power. But that's because they had a big investor who was able to, uh, sh you know, add weight to that side. So they look more popular. They look way more popular than they are. If you look at the active users on RBTC and our Bitcoin, our Bitcoin is always three times greater. And there's much, much more high quality stuff going on on our Bitcoin, uh, even on our Buttcoin than on RBTC. RBTC is just a bunch of, they, they have no technical knowledge at all. It's just a, a personal attack, ad hominem after ad hominem on there. Um, and then if somebody says something like, uh, Bitcoin limit is great. Yeah. 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 Oh, I, thanks for, thanks for supporting Bitcoin unlimited. You're so great. And it's, it's just crazy talk. What I mean by that is, uh, you are free 
to go anywhere. You are not under threat of violence. You are not under threat of like confiscation of your money or your accounts. Um, you know, threats of prison, being killed. That's what real censorship is. There is no censorship in Bitcoin. And if you keep going with this censorship meme, you're going to lose the narrative very, very quickly. Because people know what real censorship is, and this ain't it. If your arguments were so great, people would flood to where you're talking about it. But guess what? There's no there there. There's no meat. Where's the meat? It's just a bunch of talking points. And people hate talking points. They'll go to where the real quality opinions, real quality arguments are. And to say that people don't know, like miners aren't just, uh, I heard something from a recent interview with Roger Ver, like people aren't aware of our BTC. That's why it's not, um, really high up. Like that's why it doesn't have as many subscribers and active users as our Bitcoin, because people just aren't aware. Bullshit. Are you telling me that there's been a person in Bitcoin for more than 12 months and doesn't know about our BTC? Give me a fucking break. All you guys are after is the new Bitcoiners. You're after these new people that trying to, um, trying to brainwash them as they enter the space. Because once you have this blockchain meme in your head, it takes a, a year or two to get out. Trust me, I know. You know, in say 2013 and stuff, I was all worried about blockchain stuff. I was like, uh, this, blockchains are going to free the world let's decentralize all the things and and blockchain all the things it it took me over a year to get out of that mindset and i was in in the thick of all these uh forums and and all that stuff so what they want to do is propagandize they want to infiltrate or get uh get a, get their hooks in the noobs and they're pissed that our bitcoin the the best um the biggest source of news for the Bitcoin space is not letting them do their little minions, their little sock puppet accounts. They are so pissed at that. But if they had good, high-quality content, all of the developers, all of the long-time Bitcoiners would be on your side. What's the deal? So what you're saying is you can't get the the people that have been here for a while, you can't get them onto your side? So you're crying about not being able to get the new people? This is not censorship, people. I mean, if you want censorship, um, like Vortex said, look at Korea. Or sorry, look at, he said Turkey. But look at North Korea. Look at WikiLeaks. The banks and the governments confiscating their bank accounts. Threatening Assange with prison. Forcing him to live in Ecuadorian embassy for how many years? That is real censorship. Look at... Uh, the Clinton hit list, the Clinton body count. Those people have been censored. If this was real censorship, you would know it because you wouldn't want to talk about it anywhere because you'd be scared for your life. Are any of you scared for your life? No. Are anybody scared for your freedom? No. This is not censorship, people. Go put your great arguments somewhere else and and convince people with persuasion, not with fear-mongering and FUD out there everywhere. And no one's buying into it. Look at the goddamn blocks. Segwit, I mean, it was like freaking a, you know, a helium balloon. You just let it go right at that um, difficulty change and up it goes. And look at Unlimited. Unlimited is years old. Years old. I think it's older than Classic. Um, so it's probably, probably XT was first and then Unlimited very shortly after that. And then another six months Classic came out. So Unlimited has been around for a long time. If it was so great, if it was, I mean, People would know about it, but people don't. 
People don't care. Because you have no arguments. You have talking points. You cannot change the hearts and minds of people with talking points. I'm sorry. <laughs> and you know what? They'll, they'll always, they'll confuse, these people will confuse unpopularity with censorship. Like, oh my God, I said my stuff and no one liked it. Oh, there, it's because of this other reason. It's because of censorship somewhere else. It's because of, uh, um, you know, people haven't been able to hear me in the past because I am so great. Uh, people haven't been able to hear me because if they would have heard me, then I would be in the majority. It's a bunch of bullshit and people know it. I don't know why I'm spending so much time other than this is the biggest story out there and people need to understand that Bitcoin Unlimited is done. It's never going to get it. They supposedly need 75% of the blocks to activate. And guess what? Oh, Segwit just passed 25%. You're done. Get out of here, Unlimited. You cannot activate now. You might as well quit. You're never going to get to 75%. And no one's ever going to care about your stupid uh, talking points either. And the more you talk... This is an important point. The more you talk, the more holes people are going to find. The more people are going to pick it apart. What happened to Classic? Remember that guy freaking went on to uh, the IRC chat and just exploded? Like he got on drugs or he was on drugs and he was just saying all this shit about people and about projects and all this stuff. And that killed that killed the Classic stuff right there. That was over. The more you guys talk, the worse it's going to be for you. You're slowing Bitcoin down. I don't think you're going to stop Bitcoin. Don't get me wrong. You cannot stop Bitcoin. But you can slow it down and you can make a fool out of yourself. You can ruin your reputation. You can waste your time, effort, and money. And I think there is people out there that believe exactly like I do. I think there's a large percentage of Bitcoiners out there that believe just like I do. Because... Look at only 5% of people agree with unlimited. So then you say maybe 50% of people are nice and they, they wouldn't say the things I say. But there's a large percentage, 45% maybe, of people, Bitcoiners out there that want to cuss and scream at these people. And I believe it. That's a wrap for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Ansel Linder. This is Bitcoin and Markets. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so at the website, bitcoinandmarkets.com. Uh, that's also where you'll find the links to all the show notes. If you're listening to this on SoundCloud, you can look in the description for that link. Uh, we're also available on, well, obviously SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. So check us out there if that's the app of that you use, the app of choice. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Thank you.